Houston. We're at the Father's Church in the Wisdom Seekers Sunday School class. Um, I have before me a teaching sheet that I put together, and it should look familiar to you because um, Pastor has actually taught on this um, three times formally, uh, last June, and then in the fall seminar, and then again this past spring seminar. And to me, this was a very, very important revelation that God gave regarding um, how we are to um, continue to be equipped and aligned with the Father through the way that we seek Him and stay uh, connected, you know, as we set our eyes upon the things above. But what brought me back to this today is um, when Mark Burt uh, taught two weeks ago, the passage that was his keynote passage about um, the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. Well, the sound mind there is um, a derivative of this word. And in, in keeping with what Mark was talking about in his own personal experience, it just made me feel like that having I'm a refresher on this topic, but also from another angle. I, I'm not addressing what Mark was talking about specifically, but it did put me in mind that, you know, as we go forward, the things that we encounter are going to be what opposes what, what we're doing. And so how we um, prepare ourselves for that and how we strengthen our core in order to combat that and to overcome that. I, I'm, so these first verses really were the verses that pastors um, focused on. So we're, we're gonna go through these pretty quick because in every instance, I, I'm, I'm gonna give you the definition if you look at your last page. Um, when I did listen to these teachings again, I went ahead and did my line upon line definition so that I can in, in include it at some point. But I'm going to read this definition, and then what we're going to focus on as we look through these verses, though, is or are the things that are our challenges, the things, the pitfalls that we have regarding this, and that's going to be the discussion. So, and if you look at, if you look at page three particularly, I mean, there are so many derivatives of this word, it's ridiculous. So it's very well spoken of in the Bible as, you know, exhortations of how we are to conduct ourselves. And then, of course, because we know the definition, we actually recognize and should embrace and apply how we can move with the Father in our phroneo, breathing deeper. As you see, that was my title, to breathe deeper, because the other, I'm really echoey. It doesn't bother me as long as you're okay with it, but... Um, I have really felt the need to breathe deeper in the natural. And so I felt like, well, this is about breathing. This understanding is about, you know, the way that we breathe after the things of the spirit. And I wondered about the, the breathing deeper, you know, am I, are we in a higher altitude? You know, is the Lord taking us higher? And that's why we're short of breath. And so he's trying to get us to exercise and, and kind of 
bring our strengthening of our core up to the level where it needs to be because of where we are now? I don't know, but I, that's my, the title. And of course, you saw my subtitle is Say Hello to My Little Friend. Um, because our little friend, you know, is a weapon in a lot of ways. It is something that we, um, that we have in our arsenal that has been afforded to us from the Father. And I, I liken it to, you know, I actually, I don't liken it to, I, I compare it to what was given to um, people in the Old Testament where their only point of obedience and from bless, blessing and cursing had to do with just their obedience. Do these things, you will be blessed. But we have been afforded relationship. Therefore, the accountability that we have is that we must breathe after the things of the Spirit or the cursing happens. And that, if you look at these verses, there is one or the other. It's just as clear for us as it was in the Old Testament. It's just a different dynamic because it's relational. But we have the responsibility to relationally um, pursue our Father in order to stay in the realm of blessing, to stay on the pathway of obedience. So let me read this. You have it before you, so you can read along with me. This is the definition of phroneo. This definition um, can be applied in different ways to these derivatives as well. The Greek word is translated as affections, the mind, understand, understanding, different variations like that in the New Testament. And it, it means to exercise the mind or to have a mindset. But when you delve deeper, it stems from the root word friend, which is a medical term that speaks of a part of our neck where the vertebrae is located. The phrenic nerve comes out of that and controls our diaphragm and how we breathe. And when you look up this definition in these lexicons, it does talk about our, the strength of our core is dependent upon that, that breathing in the diaphragm. It's how we breathe. If it is severed, a person will suffocate in the natural. But just as breathing is essential to being healthy in the natural, so is our breathing essential to our spiritual survival. We have to ensure that our neck is unencumbered, that we're not stiff-necked. We have to allow um, the spirit to breathe through us, communing with our spirit, praying in unknown tongues and diversities of tongues. In ancient Greek literature, it is described as the hidden place within. It is characterized by the diaphragm or the core. From this place of divine spiritual interaction comes inspiration, artistic expression, things beyond the natural. It is also used to describe the insane. We, we set our affections on things above where the spirit dwells where the belt of truth is, where Christ sits at the right hand. The connectivity with God takes place here. Therefore, the phroneo has to be connected to the things that are above and not on earth. We cannot separate our affections, the intimacy shared through time spent with God from the revelation that we receive. When we are born again, we begin to function in the discovery of the truth where our identity is a continual I'm losing my spirit. Revelation. Our hearts of divine revelation must set upon things above. Like Jesus, through our communion with the Father and our affection for Him, we gain the mind that was in Christ Jesus, where we are dedicated to what is issued from the throne in order to serve Him in His plan. 
We make ourselves void, empty, and of no reputation, appearing to others as though we have nothing in order to reflect only what God is revealing to us. So that is the backdrop to these verses. That is the underlying understanding of what it means when it talks about the friend, the phroneo, the phronesis, the phronomai, or the phronema. There are so many derivatives, but it's talking about how, where, how we serve God in our core from our spirit man, breathing after the Father. So let's, let's look at this first verse. We're going to kind of run through these verses um, quickly in order to get to, well, I mean, they all have their own substance that I'm going to touch on. But I guess what I have done for you is outli outlined how we're supposed to function. And now we're going to bring in how things go awry. Okay? So Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you appear with him in glory. One of the things that Pastor um, emphasized the last time he taught this was you cannot separate your affection from the revelation that we receive. And the affection is what really drives the seeking, that drives this breathing after God and setting your your you know, affections or your mind or your whole, you know, your whole being upon what's happening at the throne, what's happening when you are interacting with God, that is what is actually, that exchange, that, that koinonia, as it were, is what creates that flow of revelation. It creates that flow of learning. It creates that flow of intimacy, it creates that bonding that we have with the Father, it, it solidifies the things that you know, it, you know, I, I think we've said this many times over the years because we've actually lived this verse. And, and that's what's so interesting about finding out what this means at this late hour, when we've actually lived the truth of this. I mean, there was, there was no inkling of untruth when Pastor unveiled this because I bore witness with what I'd been living. When I pray in the Spirit, I come away with things that I did not know before. There are things that are deposited in me that I know um, um, prepare me for something that's coming so that I'm already aligned with the thing that, that rises up or a truth or a revelation that Pastor speaks. I know that my diver's tongue says, has partnered with that, and therefore I am able to receive and understand that revelation. I, and I have given my mother as, a, as another example because her life and her mindset completely changed by virtue of the one thing that she changed in her life, and that was praying in diverse tongues every day. So I know the truth of this revelation in us. If we cease to seek Him and to pray in tongues and, and diverse tongues, if we cease to spend time with them every day, then we will cease 
to be aligned. We will cease to have the capacity to understand, the capacity to enjoin and align. Um, this, what we do before his throne and with our Father is what has kept us here. Spiritual versus carnal, Romans 8, 5 through 7. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So you see an insertion here of a derivative from Nama, and that is a set inclination. It's the way that we we're bent toward a certain way. And I'm pretty sure that since the fall of man, the bent looks a lot like this. You know, God's wanting us to do this, <laughs> but we're, we're bent. We're inclined to do certain things and to react certain ways based on our experience in the world. And if we focus on that, if those things that are around us become the driving force for our decisions, our actions, our responses, then, then we're going to be in a heap of trouble. Okay, so these things are happening. I mean, you cannot escape what's happening at the school when you're teaching. I'm sorry. You can't escape what's happening in that law office or in your food truck, you know, when your fifth generator goes out. Um, and it's 40000 more dollars. And, you know, and Dennis, you know, you lose a sales client. You know, I mean, you can't, and you have people that are competing with you for, you know, to do the best or whatever. In these, in our settings of everyday life, our workplaces, our home life, when something goes awry at home, when someone gets sick, when a dog dies, you know, I mean, all these emotional things, they're always happening. And if they are the reason why we make our decisions, the, the way we react to those is the end all, then we really aren't um, well, we'll not ever be satisfied. We won't ever be at peace. We won't ever have um, a sense of purpose. The only way to have a sense of purpose is if those things are dealt with through our relationship with the Father. I mean, we say, Father, whatever happens here is your will. I don't have to have it my way. It's really important that we're able to lay down our own agenda, our own desires, in order to take up what God is doing. But that is what this carnally minded mean. It doesn't mean that you're going to, you know, bars and, and knocking over Piggly Wigglies and Yazoo, Yazoo City. Um, I've heard that so many times, how can we not repeat that? I mean, <laughs> it's, like, it's like mother's milk to us, right? So it's not that you have inclinations to sin, even though inclinations toward um, worldly things that aren't sinful can also be missing the mark if that's where your, your, um, all of your energies are being spent. So we have to um, apply our passions toward what is important to God and in our time spent with Him in order to avoid uh, the entrapments that actually come by placing too much importance on the things that are happening around us. I mean, even the world being so crazy today I mean, if you place importance on who's president, I mean, you are going to be so sad. <laughs> you can't. 
your confidence can't be in who's running the United States. You, your confidence can't be whether people, you know, what, are, what people are doing. I'm not going to name specifics because we could name a lot of things that are going on in the world that are, that, that's really, um, we know to be wrong and ethically wrong. But we don't have our confidence there. Our confidence lies in what God is doing and believing that his, his plan and will um, will prevail over those things. So let's look at the mind of Christ, Philippians 2, 2 through 8. Fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded. I mean, isn't that a wonderful phrase right there? Because when we speak to other saints, doesn't it fulfill your joy when you see someone come on board and they begin to pray, they begin to seek the Father, their lives begin to change, they become committed? I mean, it's a joy. It really does fill our hearts with joy. So I can identify with, um, with this. But we have to have the same agape. We have to be in one accord and with one mind. I mean, you're only going to have this point of unity in the body is if everyone is at the throne, as if everyone is breathing after what God is doing. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, another derivative. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And he'll, he humbled himself and became obedient even unto death to the cross. So looking at this passage, we see that the significance of us being in one accord because we've all fastened ourselves upon the throne, upon what God is doing, and that's how we have our unity. But that also explains the mind of Christ. That is the only way to obtain the mind of Christ. And not the mind of Christ really is a mindset that Christ had, which is he accepted his, his calling. He accepted what God the Father had asked him to do. He fulfilled it completely. He abased himself before man. He was of no reputation. And, and not just when it was time to go to the cross. I mean, his life was a lifestyle of, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm nothing before your eyes. And he never um, tried to overlord the authority that he had on anyone. So that has to be our mindset as well. We have to have the mind that completely accepts what we've been called to do. We have rehearsed this, this particular line of thinking for the last two or three years in that, and we've done it for many years, but I feel like that God has given us breakthrough in that there, there is very little vying for or comp competing over who gets to do what and how come I'm not doing that. I'm not saying it doesn't ever happen, but I feel like part of, you know, having the mind of Christ means accepting who God has called you to be, whatever that looks like, and not trying to, or, you know, feeling as if, you know, you're being looked over, or 
you know, having any negative feelings toward what your calling is. That is the mind of Christ. And that is something that if we don't embrace that can be a stumbling block. I mean, if you're constantly thinking that someone else is getting to do something that you wish you were doing, and that's what you're froneoing. Because see, the thing about froneo is that it's breathing after something. So if you're, and I can remember, I mean, many struggles that I have had myself. And when you're struggling, I mean, it's really hard to fit God into all that breathing when you're breathing after your own problems. You know what I'm saying? He kind of gets snuffed out. Yeah, yeah, sure, I would seek him, but I probably spent a lot of time also, you know, like let's say I go to prayer and I do all that. Yep, that was a great two hours. But, and then I spend the next eight hours breathing after this other thing. <laughs> because you're mad about something. I mean, you ever stewed over something? It lasts for hours. Going for days. I mean, it can. Don't look at me like, what you talking about, Willis? I know that we've all dealt with this in our lives. It's, it is part of life. Disappointments are part of life. You know, not being chosen is part of life. Not getting what you want is part of life. Um, you know, let's just go down the line because no one here is exempt from having, and even having difficulties or challenges with people is part of life. And how you, how you ruminate over that. That's what this is. It's how are you expending your passion, your energy, your thought process, your mindset, because your mindset is formed by these things and decisions that you're making while you're going through this. So, so let's say, for instance, you know, these days, if something comes up for me, I mean, it's like this line of thought, I recognize it, that chair is black. I mean, it's just that simple. This is what this is. I say it out and I go, but God, it is your will. However you want to use that chair is up to you. I mean, I just lay it down and walk away from it. I can't, I can't breathe after that, that thing. It's true. What I said is true. What is happening is really happening. But I, I just look at that and go, you know what? That is not my problem. God, you're in control of this. If, you know, and I just kind of lay it down. So you have to... You have to turn your breath toward the thing that is important. You just do. So the perfect. Philippians 3, 13 through 16. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded, and if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. I hate the sound of swallowing. <laughs> okay. So, in this verse, we look at the word perfect. There's this connection with being mature and with this phroneo. And that word perfect, I actually had the de definition before, but I screwed up my own teaching sheet and lost all my notes. So I'm just going off the same sheet that you are. I don't have any of my, my notes. Um, but if I recall, this word perfect is teleos, and it really speaks of communication. 
And if um, I can't remember all the details, but I just know that back in the day when it when they were writing all this stuff, um, the people were really interested in hearing the latest thing, and then they would adapt to that thing and, and do it. And so, but they were just always wanting something new, always wanting something new. So that's kind of the negative example of that. But from that, we glean that this word really speaks of ongoing communication with God, wherein He is bringing the new to us, and we have to be in a position to accept it and move forward in the new. So that is what a perfect, the teleos, means. It's ongoing fellowship and partnership with God, wherein we, envelop, we, um, we uh, embrace what God is presenting to us as something new, and we apply it and move forward with that. So that's what that word means. And that is connected to the phroneo. And that makes perfect sense because where are you going to be finding something new? You're not going to be finding it, you know, under the sycamore tree, or at least you shouldn't be. <laughs> where we find something new is when we're at the throne. And when we're at the throne, we're also prepared for the new things that are going to be presented to us so that we can accept them. I do think there, there's just such a huge connection between our ability to align with the Father's will and our spending time with Him. He is the one that prepares your spirit to say yes. I don't think any of us have that ability on our own. We just don't. It's His anointing. It's His breath. It's, he's the one that brings us to a place where we don't reject something that He's doing. And there's a real tendency to reject the plan of God because if the plan doesn't go the way you think it should go, and particularly if it looks like it's going south, that can't be the Lord. I mean, we're going to see an example of that with Peter here in a minute. So let's, let's um, be mindful of that. Okay, moving on to humility. Romans 12, verse 16. Be of the same mind toward one another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Uh, Phronimos is this word wise. And this really puts me in mind, because the word conceits just means, <laughs> it, it's a word that kind of means, you know, your own self, what you, what you care about. Um, we cannot we cannot make our phronimos our agenda. If you, I mean, people in general are um, very competitive. They have, you know, hopes and dreams and agendas in their workspace, you know, trying to move up the ladder. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that in, in the right context. But if all you're focusing on is how, where you're going to get and how can you get there and how can you improve your life situation and how can you get this better and how can you have that and how can you acquire this? I mean, that's breathing after your own conceits. That's, that's trying to bring about your life through your own imaginations and your own um, energies. And I think that that's really what this means. We have to, to be, to mind not the high things means that you know, we accept how God takes care of us. We accept His supply, His provision, whatever that means. I mean, you have to wonder why some people are rich and some people are poor. 
and they're both Christians and they're both great Christians. Why? We don't understand God's ways. We don't understand the whys of these things. But there is a reason for it. And what he's given us is exactly what we all have to have. It's for, our, it's for our good that it is what it is. He's using whatever that lifestyle is to prepare us for that partnership. And everything about our childhood, everything that we have experienced is doing the same thing. There are things that Tammy did that I never did. So she can minister in a way that I cannot minister because of her experience. But she's been given a calling. She's been given assignments to do. And they relate to all those things that God laid out for her to experience and to know. And that, that is accepting, you know, as it were, our lot in this walk of partnership with the Father. That's one way to um, sidestep some challenges, some pitfalls. If you are always moaning over what you don't have, or if you don't like, you know, it's, it's, the, same, it's the same story. Same old story. And let me just say this before I move on. To say, to have the same mind one toward another is, is really our ability to work together our ability to be in our position but allow others to to operate in their position you know we all flow with this same mindset we've all breathe we're all breathing after the things um, above um, and and really it is a, a kind of like a preferring one another but in a point of unity where everyone gets to do the thing that God called them to do so let's look at our placement it's a little bit more of the same but Maybe it'll shed a little bit more light. Romans 12, 3 through 8. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, another derivative, so phroneo. That's really interesting. According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many as one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, blah, blah, blah. That's what we do. We do blah, blah, blah. Those are our gifts. You know, the thing that is so amazing is that, is that none of us can function and unless God gives us the unction. Oh my God, that was so prophetically, whatever it was. I came, I just lost everybody's attention when I did all that. But <laughs> I was impressive and then I totally brought myself right back down to where I really am. <laughs> the thing is, you know, I, the, more, the more that I have, you know, the older I get, and the more that the Lord has taught me, I mean, the thing that I am so cognizant of is, because I, I do think I came into this thinking I really had the goods. I mean, I didn't know I thought that until now I know I don't have the goods. <laughs> I mean, when you know that, you, when you really know you don't have them, when you really know, and God painstakingly has shown me how his breath is what has given me what I need to minister in whatever way, whether it's to teach 
or to be on the worship team or just, you know, in whatever venue that it is in. I have been without and I have been with and I do know the difference. And I know that every time I am called on to minister that whatever I have is, I am just not that smart, folks. I mean, I'm not up here trying to, to give some sad story, but I just know. I mean, I agree that there are some people who just have gifts and they can use those gifts. And I do have a couple of gifts and those things do tend to function no matter what. But I do know what gifts I don't have or they're not the strong gifts, I guess. But I can move in those gifts whenever God is anointing me, when he's helping me. It is, there's such an amazing revelation for me to see that reality. I appreciate it because I think it's brought me closer to understanding the Father and understanding my relationship and understanding who I am. I mean, knowing my reliance upon him is so complete <laughs> in order to do something. I mean, I don't come in here with any, any notions of anything, but Lord, you're just going to have to help me with this, okay? And I think that that's a good place to be in. I, I've had, I've gone, I know this is too much personal information, but I've gone the other direction where, you know, I'm just all pity partying because I don't really know how to relate to the Father regarding these assignments and whether they go well or not. I mean, I've done the whole, you know, I've done something wrong. That's why this day was bad. Or I've been really good. That's why this day was good. You know, the, the, the ministry was good. And having to really be taught that it has nothing to do with my worth at all. Or whether I've been bad or good, naughty or nice. I mean, God is here to do a thing. He has a plan for every single day. And that plan includes all of you guys. And so whenever he comes, like last Sunday, that didn't have anything to do with me. That had to do with his plan. That had to do with something that he was doing on behalf of the people. I was in the position to facilitate that in my point of authority. And God helped me to get through it. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? You have to separate yourself in some ways from the overall plan of God and recognizing your position in it. And part of that understanding, coming to that understanding, is the phroneo. It is always being willing to submit yourself in the midst of what he is doing so that you can learn what he is trying to teach you through it. If you butt heads all the time and you just want your way, you're really not listening and you're really not learning because you're just too, you're too, um, you're too caught up in, and I, and I think, it, I'm sure it has to do with pride because, I mean, Lord knows, you know, we all have um, our fair share of that lovely attribute. But I do think that pride you know, keeps you from accepting something that you think is beneath what you deserve. Um, anyway, I really am getting off on a tangent, but this has to do with our placement. It has to do with um, the way that we think about ourselves regarding 
our placement in the Father. We froneo, and that thinking is enhanced by His Spirit. It's changed by His Spirit. That's the only way our carnal thinking and our prideful desires are, abs are able to be laid down. And so we have to, um, we really have to bring ourselves um, to that point of submission when we are um, before the, the Lord and in our everyday actions that proceed from what we are doing when we're at the throne. Let's look at Peter. He, this is an interesting study. This is actually what got me to teach this today because I did what I told you all to do. I said, you guys need to re-look at that teaching that Pastor did on friend. And so that's what I went and did. And, um, but the other night, the Lord started talking to me about this passage with Peter. Um, and I thought, you know, this may be what you want me to talk about. So that's why we're here on this. So Matthew 16, 21 through 23. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. So let's look at that first verse and just recognize that what Jesus was doing is that root from the word for righteousness. Okay? And he was revealing to them a, what was righteous, what was God's plan. That's what he was showing them. And uh, in verse 22, Peter took Jesus. He took him. And he began to rebuke Jesus. I've, I find Peter quite bold <laughs> in this instance. And he said, Be it far from you, Lord, this cannot be unto thee. Isn't this what I said earlier? He said, this cannot be. This bad thing that you're saying, we, we can't accept that. We have to, you know, let's bind and rebuke the enemy. Let's, you know, let's run. Let's go to another city. Let's do something else. I mean, he was confronted with Jesus telling him the plan of God, and he did not hear it. Now, I am not saying here that this is because Jesus himself was not fro-nailing. I mean, he was with Jesus. I believe he was completely on board. He had fellowship with Jesus. So this isn't necessarily about whether or not Peter was or wasn't, you know, what we're talking about we have to do, which is to seek the Lord every day and spend time with the Father. But it says that Jesus turned to him and said, Get, get thee behind me, Satan, for you are, not, you are an offense unto me, for you savor not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. And, and so Pastor, when he taught this last time, he, he said that, that the enemy spoke through Peter, and Jesus obviously recognized it because he rebuked the enemy and not Peter, right? And he, so the enemy, that, so what this means is, is that in this conversation, the enemy was present. Okay? So Jesus, in the presence of the enemy, which I would think he kind of knew the enemy was there. Wouldn't you kind of think that? But he still showed the disciples what was to come in that setting. And so Peter, and the other study I did, 
which is really interesting. And if it hadn't been so long, I might have done it today. But I just plucked out every verse in the Gospels and at the beginning of Acts, my God, from, from first, first, um, chapter 2 on, I mean, he's just doing all this stuff all through Acts. Peter, he lived a roller coaster life with Jesus. He was really speaking the purpose of the Lord, and then he was, you know, getting the behind me Satan. He was walking on water, and then he was falling in the water. He was, I mean, you just have this. And not only that, I really do wonder if he is the most spoken of apostle in the Gospels. I haven't looked up John because it would be kind of hard. I, I mean, it would take a minute to separate John the Baptist from John the Beloved or uh, whatever. But, I mean, he is so, and not only that, but it, it talks about, it would say Peter and the disciples so many times. Peter was always brought forward in some way. He is an example of many things. And many times it's of what not to do, not how to react. But the only way you find out those things is because Peter was also always willing to do anything that was happening. I mean, he was, I mean, talk about a head like a flint or a face, you know, like a flint. He was totally someone who was going to go forward. And so because of that, when it talks about him not savoring the things of God, does that mean he didn't save any of the things of God? Or is he just talking about, look, what you're saying right now is opposing the plan of God. So there's somewhere in your, your pitfalling, because we all have these little pitfalls, that caused Peter to, because we know he wasn't possessed, but if the enemy was there and was whispering about this, his opposition, Peter was just of the mindset to agree with what the enemy was saying. I mean, think about this. We are conventional and traditional by nature. We like things to go along the way they always have. We like to see the things we've always seen because that way we know we're doing the right thing. So if something opposes convention, if something opposes what we traditionally knew, it's not that we're not willing, I don't know how to say this, but if the enemy's there and he's whispering sweet nothings about, well, this isn't the way we've always done it. I mean, it doesn't take much for a person to latch onto that. Yeah, you're exactly right. And that person doesn't even know he's agreed with the enemy because all he can think about is that, you know, the way we've always done it. And we've lived this for 25 years. Those early days were filled with things that we were confronted with. And I dare say that over the span of these 25 years, every one of us has seen at least one thing that we did not agree with for whatever reason. Not calling it not spiritual, not, you know, I don't know what it is. But all it has to do is got a, it's got a smell of something that you don't agree with. And the enemy, and the enemy actually doesn't have to be present. I mean, we're, we're so filled with our own opinions that unless we lay them down, they can be the thing we trip over. And I know that because I have always been a very opinionated person, which I have confessed to you all many times. 
And that's something that I have to, I mean, part of being opinionated too is kind of like Peter. I mean, I know exactly what I believe. You know, and hardly anyone can knock me off of what I believe. But that same, but that same you know, stance can be the thing that rocks me over because I'm not willing to accept what God is saying to me that might be different than what I already believe. So I have had to, you know, submit my thoughts, my opinions, and allow the Spirit to bring me into a point of agreement with what he's doing. But this, this thing with Peter, to me, is an amazing example of what happens to every person in the church when God tries to do something new. Oh, we're with you. I agree with you. Oh, I, okay. Yeah, I wasn't asked saying that you didn't. I was, yeah, I was just pausing and wondering what I was going to say next. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, last weekend was wonderful, but, you know, talking about the enemy being present, oh, my gosh. He's always whispering in their ear. And... Uh, you know, I recognize that better and better all the time, and that's because of my relationship with God, partnering with God, praying. And um, you start learning these things, and then you know when it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, but then you also know when it's maybe the angelic whispering in your ear, too, as well. Yeah. And that all comes with that communion with the Father. Right. Praying with us. <clears throat> So I'm like you, uh, when I get into a predicament like that in my head, I'm just calling out to the Lord to help me. You know, if I'm not sure what's happening. Mm -hmm. A lot of times there is clarity there, but, but I know what you're saying, and it happens a lot. Yeah. This isn't just every once in a while, this is all the time. Well, and that could be because of your position. I mean, you, because of what God's called you to oversee, he allows you to see things but also to experience things, and not every person has to. And sometimes it's not actually seeing, it's hearing. You yeah, know, whatever. Hear, yeah, yeah, whatever but, the case But I hear it really loudly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in this, um, right below that, I have the def I have. You're good, you're good. Okay, looking at the word friend, which is the root word to what we've been studying so far. And, oh my gosh, I only have 10 minutes left. People, 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 people. We're going down to the derivatives right now. I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to go there. I, I got to look at these things. Okay, let's look at Franny Moss. I just want to set this um, before you. I have several verses there. And these are the things that are Franny Moss, which are translated as wise in the New Testament. If you hear the sayings of Jesus, then you will be phronimos. You, we have to be phronimos, wise as serpents, but harmless of, as doves. Uh, speaking of the faithful and the wise servant um, over the household, that's who God is going to set over the household as someone who is breathing after the things of the Spirit. The wise virgins, we know that story very well. They were doing their due diligence before the Lord and setting their thing, their, their affections upon on the Lord. And unfortunately, the Moros virgins, the ones who would not partner in the mystery, which if you think about it, if praying in tongues is praying mysteries, we're, we're talking about the same thing. It may not have been called this, 
but it is definitely still that commune with the Father that keeps our oil uh, filled and our lamps lit. And then Romans 11, don't be wise in our conceits. Um, this is another verse about being uh, Phronimos in conceits, and, but it was talking about the vine and how the, the Gentiles are being grafted in. And it says that in Israel's blindness um, was present so that the Gentiles could come into the fold, right? And so he was like, look, don't think yourself to be so hot. I'm not doing this because you're amazing. You know, because you're amazing. I'm only doing this because I'm trying to let you come in. But they're all going to be saved. I mean, don't think that you're better than the Israelites is what he's saying. But I thought that was really interesting when it says the blindness in part that Meros, that's the same word that's used to talk about, you know, your things being dealt to you or your inheritance as so to speak. All right, so now we're going to look at this other these, all these sofro words, but the sozo plus friend words, there's several derivatives as you can see, and sozo, if you will recall, is um, the word to be saved in the New Testament. It means to be saved. And then of course we have the word friend, which is the root word. And in Greek literature, the gods would convince uh, people to abandon themselves and embrace an inspired way. But of course, that was that they would embrace the gods, right? But for us, we know that to be sober means that for the, in the same way, we surrender ourselves to God. And through our phroneo, um, we, we submit to his plan. We don't try to save ourselves. We don't try to promote ourselves or to do things in our own strength. But we know that God, through that commune, is going to lead us to life. God is the one who saves. God is the one who preserves and keeps. It is through that relationship that these things are accomplished. And I find that it is so true. I just find that amazing. Because when you put your hope in Him and you completely trust in Him, that provision, that supply, every, the, every step that you take is, is overseen by our Master. He's our teacher. He's the one that is, is bringing us to a point of completion. He is the one who is orchestrating it. And um, I love the fact that with the sozo plus friend, it really, these words really speak of um, he's there to keep and preserve us. He's there to give us a sound mind. But we see in uh, the sof uh, sofranismos, the sound mind, this is Mark Burke's signature passage a couple weeks ago that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Well, we know that fear has to be a huge progenitor of, uh, or a huge detractor from a sound mind. Because fear can get you really focused on the thing that you're afraid of. And so you're, you're not looking to the provision of the Lord. You're not looking to his deliverance or his hand upon the thing. You're just afraid of whatever you're encountering. And so you're breathing after that. But the sophronos, having that, that sozo in the midst of that, it really speaks of how God is the one through that commune that is delivering us. 
And yes, is there going to be physical deliverance? Are there times when God plucks you out of a situation that is threatening your life? Or Yes, but this is talking about our being. This is talking about what we believe. This is talking about how, if, what, whether we're functioning in a sound mind, or are we crazy? Are we going off, are we going bonkers because of the things that we're dealing with? I think, I love these SOFO words because his, his keeping, delivering, preserving power is part of it. I think that's amazing. The Sophronizo Titus 2.4 is to, to teach to be sober. Sophron, it means to be sober, discreet, and temperate. I feel like our relationship and the way we seek after, we're breathing after um, the things above, this is a byproduct of that. Being sober, being discreet, being temperate, being of a sound mind, restoring to one's senses. You begin to seek the Father. You begin to pray in tongues and to seek Him, and this is a byproduct of that. Then, um, let's see, Sophroneo. I love the fact that Jesus healed that demonized boy and it put him back in his right mind. And then um, 1 Peter 4, 7, at the end, we have to be sober, watch and pray. At the, it, we are there. How are we going to be sober? We have to set our affections on things above. And then uh, Sophrosune, uh, we have to speak words of truth and so, uh, soberness, which is, you know, gonna, that is, the, this speech will bring about um, restoring people to a sound mind. Second, 1 Timothy 2.15, I love this. This, I don't love it. I really wonder about this scripture because it said that Eve was the one that was deceived and not Adam. I'm thinking, weren't they both a little deceived? <laughs> I know, I'm just teasing. She told him to eat the apple. He did whatever she said. Um, <laughs> so we know what his problem was, but it wasn't that he was deceived. Well, this talks about... <laughs> This talks about that the woman, by virtue of that, she's going to be saved because of her faith, her agape, her holiness with the sobriety, with the froneo. I loved that connection. I think that's amazing. That's why we're so, that's why we are amazing now. <laughs> and I'm trying not to think any higher of myself than I ought. <laughs> All right, let's look at some negative derivatives. Okay, I love this story, paraphronia, um, because I can't wait to cuss on air. Um, you know, when we're talking about Balaam, the dumbass that spoke to him? I didn't think he, he could have been that dumb. He was talking. <laughs> but this is an interesting story because Balaam... I went back and read through it, and Balaam was willing to do what God said. I mean, Balaam wasn't saying, oh, no, I'm going to do what I want. He kept telling Balak, look, I'm not going to go with you, and I'm not going to speak the words that you want me to speak. I'm only going to speak what God tells me to speak. 
But still, on the journey, when the angel of the Lord stood between him and going through the passageway, and the, the, the dumbass saw the spirit, but that he, Balaam didn't. And he was rebuked for that. I mean, not only that, but in this New Testament verse, it talks about him having madness. That's the insanity that, that Pastor was talking about, that this word also means to be insane. Because even though we have this prophet who was an obedient prophet, he still came to a place where when the donkey wouldn't go forward, he kept smacking that sucker, and the donkey looks back and says, Dude! Why do you keep hitting me? How long have I been with you? And I've always gone where you wanted. You know, can you not see that, you know, there's something up here. There's a reason why I'm not going forward. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, just think. What I'm saying is there can be moments of madness when things that should be happening the way they're supposed to aren't, and you keep smiting the thing to get it to do what it's always done, when really you should just wait your little self there and ask the Lord what's up. I mean, I think that's a huge, that's a huge one for us. I know I get frustrated, and I try to make things happen. We're just talking about, you know, physical objects. I'm not even talking about anything spiritual, just things in life that happen, and you're just trying to get that thing to do it, you know, and you get frustrated. But let's put this on a spiritual and a going forward uh, perspective. Um, we're going to minister to a nation, and this is supposed to be a certain way, and then something just keeps, you know, something's opposing it. And instead of trying to whack it with a stick, we need to figure out how God wants us to go forward. I just loved that one, because I got to say dumbass. <laughs> Three times. times is that word used for the demonic realm? You have paranormal, 
you have parapsychology. Um, and even, it, it just means something, it's like a seducing spirit. It's something that's alongside what the real is. And even like if you put it in a medical term, like a paraplegic, or paraplegic, that means that they don't have the use of their limbs, so they have to operate with something other. And this, paraphroneia, really means that there's another source of the breath. There's a, there's a different source of the breath. And here God equates that with Balaam. And I've talked about Balaam in the past. We've studied him, how his prophecies about the people of Israel and Moses were some of the most prolific insights about what God thought about his people that you're going to find anywhere in the Old Testament. And I'm not glorifying Balaam. I'm just saying that this is what we're facing right now in, in, in our nation and in these other countries where they are told that they can there's always a pitch and then they they take it and I was speaking with Yawali the other day and I didn't realize this but this new Marvel movie that's out about Wakanda um, it's like Black Panther kind of a thing um the key to all these people getting their strength or being spiritual awakening is to ingest some kind of a holistic kind of a drug and then that opens them up into the spirit realm. This is what God spoke about in the book of Revelation and it links back here to Balaam and, and God, when it says the, the, the madness of the prophet, it speaks about what was how he was being controlled and I was also linking in, in writing about this how that you had you know the demonic legion which you referenced from Mark who then became into the right mind that was the forces of unclean spirits in the demonic you have Peter who was spoken to by the Lord and the demonic devil was spoken to about how that was taking him out and you know even uh, this, this other passage well, I'm not really trying to reteach this. But what I'm saying is that we're dealing, this is a battleground for where we are right now. And this is one of the main ways that the enemy is recruiting um, gifted people into the demonic realm. This to me is his version of the saints from what I'm seeing. And I, you know, I've read three books this week by not demonic people, but people who were analyzing this um, from a scholastic perspective and what it means in the world. This is bigger. You know, and then I wondered, Lord, how many things over these past couple of years have we learned about because people who were walking with the saints either were taken out by their own willingness or in this last case, the enemy attempted to take out. And it, it was a way that we we were then able to see it very painfully what these strategies are. It reminded me back then about what what uh, they said about Judas, um, where and we thought about this. Somebody had to fulfill that prophecy. God didn't make it happen. God didn't make Judas fall. 
And you read about that. God made Judas fall, son of the perdition. Somebody had betrayed the Lord. And the only reason he did it was because he was either, either he wanted uh, power or he wanted his plan, which was what many of the people, you know, the Scariot, they wanted a revolution. Mm-hmm. And so that was the, the way in. And But obviously the enemy was working on Peter too. And obviously uh, at the Last Supper or the Lord's Supper, the enemy was there because it says at that point he entered in. So he was lurking around. I don't see him in the picture, but he was lurking around there. So, but this is something that um, this Balaam thing, but it links back to friend and it links back to how you're getting your breathing. And this influence we felt come in three years ago. And, and remember, I, we were trying to talk about what it felt like, and I, it was right, right as COVID was coming in and how the enemy used that. But it was like something that would come in and you would begin to be fueled in areas of iniquity that you thought were gone. And so, and, and I, I said, it's, it's, it's almost like a rage. You, you feel yourself being overcome. And then, then this is how you fight it. But little did we know that this was the, the, the spirit of, the, of this world and how the enemy, God, God is calling his saints. I mean, we've got the prospect of recruiting thousands of people right now in South America. And it's amazing the hunger that they have. But at the same time, you have this other thing. You know, the enemy comes in one way, he flees in seven. You know, we, we've talked about that, how that whatever God's doing, he allows the enemy to, to, to analyze and to pursue that. But I didn't mean to take over here. No, no, you're good. But this, this part, I obviously chose to speak on something else this morning, which I'm glad I did now. But um, that, is, that is what we're dealing with right now in a real-time way in the spirit realm, this Balaam influence. And, um, but again, anyway, sorry. Well, I, I think whenever, um, when Mark spoke a couple weeks ago and as I was listening to the teachings and, and you know, just in my for my own self, really ruminating over this, I, I felt like um, this topic, you know, regarding the saints going forward was going to be something that was, um, I don't want to say up for grabs, but what I mean is that it's going it's to be a focal point. I mean, this is the way we're going to survive or not survive is through our submission to the Father through this breathing. And, and, and really, if you're still here, it means that you've submitted. So you see, I'm not pointing the finger at anyone and saying you didn't submit. There's no way that you'd still be here if when you did have a disagreement in your own mind about something that was happening or what you felt should happen for you or any disappointment, you submitted that to the Lord. That's why you're still here because you accepted what God was doing and you accepted how he was going to use you. And so, but I do think that 
you know, when I think, and the reason why I use Mark is because he had a particularly chaotic scenario for his life that he was facing. And granted, it was in the natural, it was familial, it wasn't, you know, out in the nations, you know, doing an assignment for the Lord, but it made me think about the end times and how chaotic things are going to be for us in certain scenarios and how are we going to face that how are we going to overcome we have to be strengthened in our core our core has to be our number one source of commune and from there we have the spirit within to do what we need to do and i i, I think about i always bring this example because it's so perfect but when you have special forces that are being trained they're, you know, we, when they become they're, they're grunt level and they come in just to come into the army or whatever, they learn all the basics, all the fundamentals. How do you survive? How do you do this? How do you strengthen yourself? I mean, they just learn all the things they have to do. But if they want to go further, then what happens is they're put in the most uh, stressful scenario possible and they have to learn how to function and do those fundamental things in that stressful scenario. But they're in a safe environment, but they're still encountering any number of foes and you know stressful scenarios so that they're able to perform at a higher level so when they are actually in a life-threatening situation they don't lose their marbles because they've already been stretched to the max and still been able to function in the fundamental things that they learned that's us people we have been given the fundamental things but we're going to have to function at a higher level we can't let things that um, throw us off guard, dictate the moment. We have to function in the fundamental things that we know to do and to keep doing. And I'm just going to touch on these last verses very quickly um, to say that in the Afron, which is to be unwise, to be a fool, if you want to understand what the will of the Lord is, you cannot be Afron. Okay? Understanding comes with Froneo. And then um, Pastor focused on this during his teaching um, that the things that come out of the heart are all these things and this is one of them being Aphron. it is it's not good but this last one I found really interesting and that is the uh, Frono Pateo and I actually meant to look this up Pateo because it does it is translated as to be deceived but it says, if you think yourself to be something when you're not, you deceive yourself. And the way I really saw that was that if you, if you are, if you, okay, let me see how I'm going to say this. The things that you are going after, the way that your passions are being um, exhibited before the Lord or in this world, if you are always needing to elevate yourself or find some point of promotion or are needing to be recognized, then you have a propensity to fall into a point of deception. In other words, it's like Pastor was just saying, you know, if the enemy is there to highlight your iniquities, then the um, opportunity for you to fall prey to that iniquity in a given moment becomes greater because it is at the forefront of your thinking or the forefront of what you're believing, thinking, feeling, your emotions, whatever, however you want to say it. So in this sense, when we think something of ourselves, when that is at the forefront of our mind, 
because you know we're all actually nothing right we all know that right but if you are in the other mindset and you're needing that point of um, confirmation or whatever we can go down we can call it a lot of things we just have I think we have a propensity to be deceived in that in that space and then you have you may fall into that point of iniquity and um, not that you can't be forgiven and get back on track because Lord knows I think we've all been there too right but I just found these um, all of these verses these derivatives um, to speak to some areas that all of us need to be aware of as we go forward as we examine ourselves as we examine how we are in agreement and in alignment with our father um, as we come across something that we don't agree with how we are going to respond to that are we going to submit are we going to kind of you know strive with it I mean, we are mature saints. We really are the perfect. I think if there's any group of people who have exhibited the ability to move in the new, to move in new things and transition really quickly. I mean, I know it's been 25 years, but how many new things have come across our path? I mean, revelation after revelation, except, and particularly you guys who grew up in church, and you didn't just grow up in church, but you're Bible scholars. You're people who love the Word. You've read the Word. You've really, you know, hit it in your heart and then here comes the Lord and he tells you it's not just that there's more in that understanding agape means this you know and you had to say I will accept the fact that I've never heard this before but I see it in the word I can see how the verses are used whatever however you processed it but you had to do that and I bet you had to do it more than once me I didn't have any of that experience new revelation comes yes there are times when something was said and if I couldn't find my own connection, if I couldn't see how pastor got from A to B, I'd walk away going, I mean, I'm not saying I don't believe you, but I just didn't see that connection myself. And then lo and behold, the next time you taught, he would teach on it again, because sometimes he was, you know, it was right out of the oven, and it just needed time for him to also work through, and he would say all the things, that, oh my gosh, of course, I see exactly what you're talking about. But I didn't accept things at face value, I mean, I had to see the way it happened. I had to see it myself. But I know the only reason why I was able to do that is because I was in prayer. I mean, I know that was the reason why I had understanding. We've gone 15 minutes over. It's pastor's fault. It's really not my fault. I was ready to close before he started talking. Father, thank you for this teaching. I pray that we would hide this word in our hearts, that it would strengthen us in our spirit man that you would draw us deeper into deeper breathing, that you would um, cause us to function with great um, ability in the high places and the places that you're taking us. Help us, Father, to be completely submitted to your plan and your purpose. Anoint us to go forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Oh my gosh, that was so long. I'm sorry, guys.